Doncic pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Doncic wins the game at the buzzer! hits, nothing is off the table. This is No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. What's up, danger? Like, what's up, danger? Can't stop me now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, into No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Glad to have you in with us on this fine Wednesday night. Beautiful day today. Uh, I was very pleased with the weather. Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson. Zach, how are we doing today? Doing good. Um, right now I'm hungry, though, because uh, we recorded the Football Insiders podcast right before this show. And um, before that, I came from the gym just because that how my schedule shook out today and wasn't able to down my protein shake before I came bummer there so yeah i'm kind of my my stomach's growling over here but it, it it's not going to hinder my my content your analysis my analysis that was a good point yeah I, I, I was about to bring it up you have been grinding today i didn't even yeah. know about the gym i just knew that before this you were doing the insiders podcast which is great stuff especially considering this is a pivotal week for penn state football i know franklin obviously had his press conference yesterday had his media availability today after practice and you guys were all over that which is great to see I, we could start off there. Might as well. Penn State football. Yeah, smooth transition. Look at that. It's like we're veterans. It's like we've been doing this for a I long know, time. The, the chemistry is it's building. It's great. I can, <laughs> it I can stinks tell. that we don't have uh, Connor Donahue back in here again. I was going to say that. It feels a little bit empty it now. Bit empty. <laughs> but, he's uh, been here the last two weeks. But Yeah. No, it, it'll, be, it'll be a fine show. We'll make do without him. Uh, you know, he was extra baggage. But anyway, <laughs> Penn State football, 0-2. First time since 2012. When it was Bill O'Brien who was the head coach, I remember being at the game, the season opener. Again, I was, I think I was 12 years old, sixth grade it would have been, and Penn State lost to Ohio. Following week, they lose to Vir- Virginia on the road. Sam Ficken had the missed field goal and everything like that, mm-hmm. and that was the last 0-2 start for Penn State. It is uncharted territory in, in the Franklin era, and especially now that Penn State has been on the cusp of really achieving something great. Everybody thought that this was going to be the year. I think people are panicking. People are panicking a little bit. I've been the one to kind of be like, hey, let's pump the brakes a little bit, okay? Indiana, obviously a crazy game. Penn State should have won that game. But at the end of the day, it's been a team that has been a thorn in the sides of Penn State for years. Penn State shot themselves in the foot a couple of times, more than a couple of times. I wouldn't have said that they deserved to win the game, but it was clear that they were the better team, the more talented team. Mm-hmm. And Indiana, I mean, they're now, what, 13th in the polls and everything? So, like, they're yeah. they're a good team, and, and Penn State dominated them, just didn't go their way in didn't, the end. Didn't win, yeah. It, it wasn't necessarily, you know, the ref's fault. It wasn't Indiana being the better team. Penn State was the better team. It, it happens sometimes. You're yeah. the better team, but you lose the game because you made some critical mistakes. Happens. Yeah. I'm not, you know, using that as any validation as to – how poor this team is and you know i'm not saying oh that's why they're 0 two because they stunk against indiana no like it was they played really really well yeah 
minus a lot of mistakes. But anyway, take away a couple game. plays. Yeah, you dominate. Yeah, there was there was that game, and then of course Ohio State was a huge uphill battle, and you watch that game, no fans, no distractions. It's it's essentially just a scrimmage, you know, eleven versus eleven, who has the better dudes. Ohio State has the better dudes. I mean, yep. the talent gap, especially when Penn State is down so many playmakers on both sides of the ball, talent gap, was it was just tremendous. You saw it on the first drive of the game. So, yeah, we'll start there. Penn State's 0-2. We can look ahead to Maryland this weekend. But watching that game against Ohio State, what did you see? And was it what you expected, or, or was it more drastic, that gap between Ohio State and Penn State? I mean, you were, I think you were moving towards it. I don't think that Penn State played that bad. No, yeah. I think the like the talent gap it, it's evident. Ohio State is it's the better team, the better program. I mean, I, I keep thinking about that quote James Franklin uh 2 years ago after the the whiteout loss, the 4th and 5. He said, "We're a good team, but we're not yet an elite team." I some, his words were I might be paraphrasing, but um that's essentially what he said and I keep going back to that every these these past two years when Penn State has played Ohio State, that quote is just on replay in my head, and I think it it's it sums up the game pretty well. Although I like I said, I didn't think that Penn State played that bad. I think um, I think there were two different different losses. You talked a little bit about the Indiana loss. I think that was clearly a, d- a different loss than Ohio State. Um, I think th- there weren't too many mistakes. Obviously, Sean Clifford had that that one interception. But I thought Penn State was was just simply outmatched, and and the slow start um, I I think was ultimately what did Penn State in. Uh, my number one question coming into the game was, how is each team going to start off? Mm. And I mean I thought that would uh, go a long a long way towards who emerged victorious. And obviously, you saw with the first play of the game, sixty two yard end around Ohio State gets right down the red zone. And they didn't slow down from there. Fields was just carving up the defense, um, and then and then on offense, Clifford just looked overwhelmed in the pocket, couldn't establish a run game. Um, play calling very questionable in the first half. Um, but yeah, I think it, it was it was evident that Ohio State was just the better team, and Penn State put up a great fight, very resilient. Oh yeah. Um, but it was it was clear to me that Penn State was outmatched. I think if Franklin doesn't go for it on fourth and two in that first or second drive, whatever it was, in Penn State territory, if he doesn't go for it there, I think we're having a very different conversation about the play calling. I I think that's what's sticking out in people's minds, and they're using that as an argument to say, oh, play calling was terrible. Maybe. Not me personally. Oh, yeah, yeah, You're you're a much more reasonably minded person. There are lots of people out there. (laughs) Like I said in the beginning, people are freaking out. Like, oh, this team's going four and five. You know, his team's no. – uh, it's like, what are you talking about? It's I Ohio think, State. What? I said it's Ohio State. Exactly. <laughs> what? And, and the, uh, not to bring up other work that I do, but I, I, I released a video over the weekend where I was saying, like, look, like, Ohio State is this superpower, and every single year they're getting better. The fact that Ohio State today, only two years removed, less than two years removed from when Urban Meyer left, one of the greatest coaches in this generation of college football – Today, the fact that they are better than what they were when Urban Meyer was head coach, that's a problem. But it shows you it shows you how the playoff has been impacting teams. Like it's not necessarily about who their coach is anymore. That used to be 
the, the biggest you know, factor in, in who was great in college football. Mm-hmm. Do they have a good coach, a good recruiter, and everything like that? I'm not saying that Ryan Day isn't a great recruiter, and I'm not saying absolutely not saying that he's not a good coach because yeah, he is. I think he's a really good coach. Very good coach, uh-huh. offensive-minded coach. The, the offensive schemes that they were pulling out against oh, Penn yeah. State, so simple. Yeah. But they were so effective. Yep. Um, it was like execution. Yeah, execution exactly. So, but the point is, Urban Meyer leaves. The past two teams from Ohio State, granted, they are lots of Urban Meyer's players, but they're still better than. I'd say that they're better than the 2014 national championship team. I'd say that they're better than any team Urban Meyer had at Ohio State. That's there was fair. no drop off whatsoever, which you would see typically in a normal college program. You have this legendary coach. He leaves. The next year, they go 13-0 and and then make it to the playoff, and they should have beat Clemson. Mm-hmm. And, and then the next year after that, they might be even better. So the playoff is creating this era of superpowers, Ohio State in the Big Ten, Clemson in the ACC, Alabama in the SEC, Oklahoma, you could say, even though, yes, they're in a rebuilding year this year. You could yeah. say that. I mean, they went from Stoops Definitely. to Lincoln Riley, and then once again, they're, they're even better. Look at the quarterbacks. They've Look at their quarterback uh sequence quarterbacks and yeah they have dominated the big 12 for the larger part of this past decade and it's i I think it's because they've gotten so much exposure and they've been able to build off of it and build off the momentum of making it to a playoff people want to go there because the world that we live in unfortunately in college football now is if you don't make the playoff you're irrelevant yeah that that's what it is and and what recruit five-star athlete wants to go to a place that isn't making playoffs. Like, and I'm sure that there are. I'm sure that there are people like that. But well, if like I'm a the, stud the, athlete. The top five star. Yeah, if I'm a stud athlete yeah. and I'm a five-star recruit, I got all these schools looking at me. And if I think that I could play freshman year at an Alabama or an Ohio State or a Clemson, why would I go to, to any other yeah. school? If you think it's a good fit, and obviously the results, the resume of the school speaks for themselves. You're yeah. not going to. You're, you're spot on, exactly. And transfer athletes too, like transfer athletes, like Justin Fields is going there. Trey Sermon from Oklahoma is going to Ohio State. Like, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to close that gap. Yeah, I mean, Justin, look, Justin Fields originally was a Nittany line. I know, that is a bummer too. That's a really is yeah. a bummer. We'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about Clifford right now because yeah, I can't help the past two years. I, I can't help but watch Justin Fields as he's playing Penn State and be like, dang. Would would we want him over Clifford? My answer is absolutely yes. Oh, yeah, you you can't. Yes, absolutely yes. What, so you you brought up how Clifford was feeling a little bit uncomfortable on Saturday. Do you think that was necessarily because the offensive line was just being overpowered, or do you think that yes, while there might have been a little bit of pressure, Sean Clifford was getting too antsy and was rolling out too much too early? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what what was your assessment of his play on Saturday? I mean, I would say both things are true. I think he had guys in his face every single play, um, and with that, you're gonna get a little, you're gonna get, you're gonna scramble, you're gonna get a little skittish in the pocket, and um, try try to scramble, make something happen. That's just that's just how it is. But also, I will say, too, I felt like he did look just very uncomfortable yeah. um i think he really does need to settle down and it doesn't help when like you're like you're it, look keep in mind it's only the second game of the season and it was versus ohio state right so um it, it doesn't help when you got guys in your face and you, you're feeling pressure and the the receivers um can't get open it it kind of things kind of changed in the second half but in the first half 
just he had nothing nothing to work with ended up being the leading rusher on the team once again had 18 carries crazy and i think a lot of that is you you got to give uh, credit or what what am i trying to say a lot of that is because of the pressure that he was feeling and i i think if the offensive line steps up just help him out a little bit you know, he he needs help i i really admired his his fight and his heart and his just resiliency. I feel like he really rallied the troops down the stretch, and I feel like he really gave um, Penn State a fighting chance, along with Jahan Dotson, of course. Right. So I, I really admired that about him. But yeah, he's just gotta, um, he, he's he's just gotta be consistent. Um, and I, I think that that's that starts up front with the offensive line. They gotta be better, and and uh, the wide receivers gotta keep doing a good job helping him. Yeah, that if he doesn't have that one interception yeah. at the end, I, I feel like I'd be totally fine with his performance look yeah i was yeah i'm pretty i'm okay with it my my dad thinks that clifford is what's holding this team back in a way we were talking about it the other day and he was just saying how like clifford is actually hurting the offense by you know rolling out as much but then again like you watch the beginning of that game receivers just couldn't get open yeah they couldn't get open like so yes i i think while Penn State does have the best offensive line they've had, at least on paper, in the Franklin era, they were still allowing people to get into the backfield rather quickly. And then on top of that, the receivers for the beginning of the game, like they just couldn't create any separation. Now, whether that's play calling or whether it's just receivers not doing a great job of establishing that space, I don't know. But I, I think, think it was – what you say? I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Because, like I said, we didn't have – Penn State didn't have the run game established. That – cancels out the essentially cancels out the pass game right and kurt karacha's uh, rpo too well so yeah i i definitely want to talk about charaka because well first of all i'll mention i thought it was ridiculous how did we see kevon lee and kasaya holmes at all they may have been on the field but they didn't get a carry ridiculous both had no carries i really thought now granted maybe it's not the best idea to throw <laughs> throw them into the fire you know they're this is their yeah. second game and they're having to go up against the stout Ohio State defense, which they do have studs. It's not just their offense that's great. Oh, their linebackers are great. Unbelievable. So maybe that's why they held him back. But I really thought that, you know, to, to kind of hopefully replicate some sense of productivity that you had with, I'm not even going to talk about Jenner Brown, but Kane and Ford, the, the ground and pound with Kane and then more of the elusiveness, speediness with Devin Ford. I thought that to replicate that, they were going to have Ford, and then Lee, who had a great game in week one, I thought, against Me Indiana. Too. I thought that Lee was going to get more of the, the touches to go between the tackles, the ground and pound style type of running. And that was mm -hmm. not the case at all. As you said, yep. yeah, didn't get a carry. I was questioning is the, whether or not they were on the field because I didn't see him at all. So that was interesting. But you, you brought up the RPO and Sharaka and everything like that. Uh, I, I Yeah, lots of the plays did not work. I don't know if it was because it was just uh, just a, a mismatch mm -hmm. on almost – Every single facet, both offensively and defensively, uh, specifically, you know, sticking with the offense. Yeah, I don't know if it was because the Ohio State defense was just so much better than the Penn State offense and they were able to stop everything or if it was just bad play calling. So we'll, we'll turn this into a discussion of Kirk Sharaka as a whole before we go to the, the commercial break. What do you make of the offense so far? I mean, yeah, see, he came over in this weird time and it yeah. was COVID and it was hard to implement everything. Do you think that? what the offense is right now is the best that it can be 
Uh, or do you think it has been really garbage? Because I know lots of people are saying that too. I think garbage is garbage. Wait, no, no, no. I was gonna say I think garbage is way too harsh. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to now, yeah, to answer your question, I don't think that this is the best that we've seen the offense. That 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 is to be seen of the offense. Um, the I think the all the coronavirus stuff. Um, and the the shortened off season, the lack of practice, lack of camp, that definitely that hurts a lot, and, and the lack of non conference warm up games that hurts a yeah. lot. Um, so, I'm I'm being I'm being patient with the offense. Uh, I just thought in the first half, particularly well in the first game versus Indiana, I don't think that um, they abandoned the run way too early in my mind. And but versus Ohio State, I think in the first half, I, it, the play calling was just so predictable to me. There it wasn't was, any trickery that yeah. I thought we were really going to see a, a team that had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. They were going to go all out in terms of trick plays and everything. There was none of that. No, it was a simple run, run, pass, punt for the entire first half. That's right. what I was just screaming at my team. It was so predictable in my mind. I mean, you got to – Clifford can throw. They, you, you have guys who can make plays and versus a team versus Ohio State that's just so explosive and can score on absolutely any play. You got to take some chances. So, um I, I'll say that there there have been struggles, but I also I find I find it impressive that they've be able, they've been able to put up a good amount of points uh, with all the inconsistency. Oh my, yeah, shown. yeah. So I, I I think I do expect to take this offense this offense to take the next step within uh, the coming weeks as it gets you know everything gets settled and more situated, everyone gets more comfortable. Thirty five points against Indiana. 25, which is more than what you scored last year against Ohio State, and yeah, yeah despite I, everything, I, yeah, I mean the injuries, uh, COVID, the fact that this is your second game of the year, and in terms of to- total yards, like yeah, there was a point, especially the second quarter. I think Penn State only had four yards in the second quarter. Yeah, for the game though, 325 yards, you you double the amount of yardage that Indiana had in Week One. Like they're moving the ball. And I mean, granted, yes, there was a, a big portion of this game where they did not. But in the second half, they were doing they were doing a pretty solid job. Yeah, I moving agree. the football, they put points up on the board. Uh, I I don't think that this is as big of a problem as everybody yeah. is making it out to be. Plus, you, you got to keep in mind, Joe Moorhead went two and two, and I, I say it as if he was the team in the first two games with Joe Moorhead as offensive coordinator, 2016. Penn State was two and two. They put up ten points against Michigan, like. It's a yeah. new system in COVID, yeah, exactly, and we're jumping right into Big Ten season. Like, I, I think I think Chirac is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I think this team is going to be fine. They, yes, they had a, a wacky game week one. Again, they should have won, but made some mistakes that maybe if you have three, as you said, warm-up games to start the season, maybe those mistakes don't get made against a Big Ten opponent on the road. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Then the second game, it's freaking Ohio State. And, and people are like, oh, we should be there with Ohio State. Look, I, I'm with you. If we had fans, if we had Micah Parsons and Journey Brown and Noah Kane and it's a normal year, I'd say we beat Ohio State, I'd and I say that confidently. Same. But it, it's not a normal year, and there have been injuries, and there have been opt-outs. Like, l- let's punt the brakes a little bit. And it was an 11-on-11 scrimmage, no interference whatsoever. The fact that Justin Fields could check plays at the line of scrimmage so easily, I mean, that had a huge impact on the game. He would not mm-hmm. be able to do that if there were 110,000 people in Beaver Stadium. Exactly. And that, I, I – the first play of the game. Remember last year, the Michigan had to call a timeout on the first play of the yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Ohio State came out composed, ready to go. 
62-yard end around. That does not happen if there are fans in Beaver Stadium. Absolutely not. I, I, I think, yeah, people who are saying that this team is trash or the season's over, well, in terms of the college football playoff, it is over. They're not real. They're, they're casual fans. Casual, casual fans. fans. I, I, I think there's a very realistic chance this team goes 7-2. and two. They win out the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. They have a very similar situation to 2016 where they finish as one of the hottest teams in college football on this huge win streak. And because of that momentum, they're able to propel themselves into a New Year's Six Bowl. Everybody is saying that a New Year's Six Bowl is out of the question. I'm with you on the college football playoff. That's done. But New Year's Six is still very much a possibility. And it starts this weekend against Maryland, 3.30 on FS1. You can catch the call here on Com Radio. It's Joe Skinner, Josh Starr, the veterans of Com Radio. The, the GMs. The, the, the seniors, the, the, the old people for sure. But <laughs> I want to score. Pre- elders. Yeah, the elders. <laughs> uh, I, I want to score pr- prediction from you if you have one. I have one. I don't know if you do. do, you, what, do you, what are you thinking about this game? I actually didn't think through it yet. Let me uh, do some rapid calculations. Right. Well, I'll, 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 first, I'll do mine. First. I think 38-13 which means that that is just above the spread. I think it's a 24-point spread. I, I, I think, uh, you know, you take Penn State in, in that bet. Personally. That sounds good. I, I think I think that – I don't think that we'll blank or Penn State will blank Maryland because Maryland put up 45 points last week. And I think that with Tugabailoa back there, they definitely have a more potent offense. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that this is going to be a very sizable victory. I think Penn State's going to get back on the right track. Yeah, I, I, like, I like yours. I'll say – Something I think maybe Tagovailoa they got a couple weapons outside, solid running back. Um, I'd say they maybe put up seven. I'll say seventeen to thirty-eight. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So yours was 38, 13. Thir- oh, thirty-eight, thirteen. So we think about the same amount of yeah. points, but Maryland for you scores like four more. Yeah. All I'd right. say that's that's a reasonable in my in my mind. I think it's a good prediction. I can live with that. All right. As we said, Com Radio, be sure to uh, to tune into the call three thirty. I have a full day. What time is uh, Football Insiders, Aaron? Is that going on at 2? Games at 3.30, so... 2, 2.30? 2. 2? I, th- I believe 2. All right. Yeah. Be, be sure to check that out. We'll have, obviously, State College Saturdays, 9 to 12, as we always do on Saturdays. And it should be a good time. But after the break, we're talking NBA. James Harden. Might be the biggest story in all the NBA. We like it because it's a Sixer story. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, this is a developing thread that, that could be interesting to follow. So... After that little tease, we go to a commercial break. We'll be right back here on No Boundaries. We are stronger, lion's pride, stand together, blue and white. Lion's pride, show the world your Penn State side. Lion's pride, you're living, you're loving, lion's pride. Downtown State College needs your help. Keep it local this season and shop for your Nittany Lion apparel and gifts at Lions Pride, where they have everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. Do you miss last-second buzzer beaters, Cinderella stories, and just college basketball in general? Well, so do we. Be sure to tune in to the Shoot Around, Com Radio's weekly college basketball talk show, every Tuesday at 7.30 to hear David Adar and Hunter Pickoff bring you the latest updates surrounding the most exciting sport. Hope to have you there. You don't want to miss Saturday's coverage of Penn State football right here on Com Radio. 
the Maryland Terrapins stroll in the Happy Valley to take on a Penn State team that is yet to register a victory in this renewed 2020 season. It's a must-win game for the Nittany Lions, and Josh Starr and Joe Skinner will be bringing you the call from Innovation Park. Kickoff is at 3.30, but our coverage starts at 9 a.m. with State College Saturdays. Be sure to tune into Penn State Football Insiders before the game as well, and stay tuned for the Con Radio postgame show right after the game to get your full fix of Penn State football right here on Com Radio. News, sports, talk. You're listening to No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. And we're back here on No Boundaries. Feeling good? First segment in the books. Pretty long first segment, but there's a lot to talk about with Penn State football. So glad we got that out of the way. Very excited for that game this week. Very excited about the news coming out of Philadelphia. James Harden talks that there could be a trade. Sixers with Houston. Obviously, Daryl Morey is now the new president of basketball operations. Comes from the Houston Rockets. There's that connection. And there are rumors that he's going to go after James Harden in, in a trade. What are, you, what are you thinking about this, Zach? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Daryl Morey, I mean, with the, the connection. Obviously, that's probably the, the, the catalyst of this whole, of all this this buzz. Um, and Morey is the guy who's not afraid to go out and make a trade. Made 77 trades um, over the past I actually forget uh, the the time frame, but regardless, he's you, one. You, you got the first half of this. Yeah, <laughs> the the time frame slipped my head, but um, regardless, he's he he makes a lot of trades. He's one of the executives who's made the most trades um, in the recent NBA, and I don't think he's scared to to try and make this work. But the question is, will it happen, and and should it happen? I don't think a straight up trade um, between the Sixers and the Rockets would work in any capacity. I think there needs to be at least three teams involved. I think um, so too. Because people people are talking about a swap, like a Simmons for Harden swap, a couple other pieces there. Why in the world would Houston pair Russell Westbrook with Ben Simmons? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, it'd be like, oh, Simmons drives, kicks it out to Westbrook. Westbrook drives, kicks it out to, you know, it's just, I don't know. That, that just wouldn't work. Um, so I, I can't imagine that that the Rockets would want to do that. And if I'm the Sixers, look, Embiid and Harden would be an absolute terror. But Harden's 31. Not not that he's old, but he's getting up there. Um, Simmons is 24, who hasn't even scratched the surface of his potential in my mind. So um, I guess I kind of just talked about Simmons-Harden because that's been one of the, you know, the, the trade ideas going around. And then, and then the other one's Harden and, Harden and Embiid. Harden for Embiid. Yeah. Um, I personally, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. What about, What are your thoughts? Well, see, the reason why I say it's exciting is because of the fact that Daryl Morey is already trying to to get his hand in the, in the trade talks already. Yeah. Like he's already trying to make something out of this roster yeah. because the roster is so hard to manage. What you have right now, it's so hard to move the pieces around and find a way to fix the puzzle. And he's already saying, no, we're going hard. Yeah. <laughs> Try, get, yeah. Trying I, to figure out who to bring in, how to bring them in, whether it's a, a high caliber superstar like James Harden or just, you know, yeah. role talent. I, I, I did see people 
saying that Tobias Harris, there were some teams interested in him. I saw them. I think I saw the Mavs were Mavs, uh, Trailblazers. I've seen thrown out there. I don't know hmm. why anybody would want him. C.J. McCollum package. I don't know. I so I agree with you. I personally, again, I said it's exciting, not necessarily because it's Harden. Yeah. If there was a, if there was a way where somehow the Sixers end up with Embiid, Simmons, and Harden. I don't know if that would yeah. work chemistry-wise because I think Harden is a very ball-dominant guard. That's the other thing. And he likes to bring the ball up the floor, and if he's bringing the ball up the floor, then what's Ben Simmons doing? Yeah. Plus, you know? yeah, plus not to mention, flip it, and if it's Harden and Embiid, even Harden and Embiid, you know, Harden's a guy who needs that, like you said, needs that the ball in his hand, uh, and that didn't work. Houston tried it with Dwight Howard, didn't work. Tried it with Clint Capella, didn't work. So they completely scrapped that. I don't know. If, and Embiid's a guy who needs to stay down the post. Yeah. So and he can't be clearing out, giving room for for James down low. That's the whole. That's one of the biggest problems with the Sixers right now. We don't. They, they don't even have any shooters. And and yeah, with this offense that James Harden is so accustomed to, it really is five guys on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. All of them can shoot, and it's a matter of okay, can we? either find an open three by working around a lot or can we penetrate because the defense is so far out and now there's all this space in the middle for us to operate in, either exactly. to go up to the hoop or to dish it back out to, to somebody whose defender has now caved in trying to stop me from getting to the basket. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can do that type of yeah. offense with and Joel Embiid in the center of it. Not to mention the Sixers. I, uh, you can assume that more maze would be moved, but right now they don't even have any six, any shooters to, to work on the perimeter with. Yeah, so it's it's enticing. It's yeah. very enticing. I kind of dug into the basketball uh, parts of it. Yeah. Of it there. But in terms of, like, the, the actual – just the buzz and the fact that a big name is rumored uh, to go to Philadelphia. It is exciting. Well, because people worried. were talking about it for uh, – I mean, I don't know how long, however many months ago. I mean, th- this was thrown around mm-hmm. before Daryl Morey came here, and then Daryl Morey is in the picture, and now it starts heating up more and more and more. So it's definitely fascinating, and again, I, I like the fact that Philadelphia is kind of at the center of the basketball world right now in terms of, obviously, yeah. L.A. being champions. I would say they are the center, but after them, in terms of buzz and talk and rumors, it's it's Philadelphia. But it's also kind of makes me nervous because it's been like that the past, like, two, three off-seasons. They've been the talk of the off-seasons. Uh, well, so... No, Philly was the talk of the off-season because of the acquisitions... Free agent. That they made free agent wise, yeah. and I guess we now know that those were bad. But I, I like, I like the speculation. There, there yeah. wasn't, there wasn't any speculation necessarily with Philly the past two years. There's, okay. there's speculation yeah, now. Who knows if James Harden will come? But the fact that Philly is a rumored destination, granted it's not free agency, but it's a trade. I, I think that still carries some weight, mm-hmm. and I, I like the fact because really, when you think about it. Even though I, I think Philadelphia is a great city to play in, if you're on another team and you're uh, now a free agent and you want to go somewhere else, like I, I think it's a great city. But uh, you don't really see people very often do it. Like That's why Bryce Harper was so shocking to me. Yeah. I was like, hey, I'll take it. But why? Well, I, Philly has never been like a huge free agent destination for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, as, a, as opposed to like L.A. or L.A., Miami. Miami. Miami is huge. Maybe that's uh, just a style of life. New York, New York. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, we're always in the running for these big time stars, and it never necessarily pans out. Yeah, I don't know why. 
because yeah, like I said, I mean the the fan base alone, I think, is great Same. and big enough and supportive enough to to. I don't know when I say supportive enough, also critical enough um, mm-hmm. to to really garner a lot of attention from from free agent. I don't know. Passionate fan base. Passionate fan base. Yeah. That's a better way of putting it. I, I think that alone is enough. I, I think the fact that it is a sports city that has four professional teams and it's not divided like New York is or like L.A. is. You've got this huge complex there that is unlike a lot of – well, because I've been awesome. to other cities with professional sports teams. They're, they're, they don't have complexes, no. and the stadiums alone aren't that great in the way that they're set up. Like, I don't know. I, uh, no, gr- yeah. Grant, I'm looking at it from a fan's perspective and not an athlete's perspective. But I, I yeah. pay, the Philly teams have shown that they're willing to spend stupid money, and I think it's a great infrastructure for uh, franchises, all four of them. I don't know. I think so too, but I might be a little biased. <laughs> Maybe. I, I mean, f- the, the, um, yeah, it's one of my favorite places to be. Yeah. The blanking again. It's probably because I'm so hungry. <laughs> with the Philly Sports Complex? Yeah, why Yeah, why can I? Yeah, Philly Sports Complex. I used to remember the Wachovia Center. Oh, yeah. That's a – is that Nova? What? No, that, that's what it was before it was Wells Fargo. Oh, boy. It used to be Wachovia <laughs> because, well, Wachovia – I don't know if Wachovia was bought out by Wells Fargo or they just went through a name change. But, yeah, it was the Wachovia Center back in okay. the day. I knew that. I feel like I knew And that. then it shifted into the Wells Fargo Center. You ever go to the Spectrum? Uh, maybe. What? What's that? The the it was it used to be where the, the Flyers and Sixers used to play back oh, so back in the day, like eighties, seventies for sure. I, I, I went there once. They they knocked it down. Um. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I went there once for a Phantoms game, back when they were the Philadelphia Phantoms. Now they're the freaking Lehigh Valley Phantoms or whatever they are. I hate that. That's just my side note. Yeah, uh, interesting. I might have been. I I don't remember. I remember my first Phillies game. I don't remember my first. What was your first Phillies game? Game. First Phillies game was it was actually surprisingly later than I, I don't remember when it was, but it was like it was it's actually a walk off. Really? Yeah. J- John Mayberry Jr. Oh my god. Versus the White Sox. Wow. I yeah. I remember that. Hit it right up the middle. It was a walk off. It was sick. John Mayberry Jr. I thought that guy was going to be a legend. Dude, I have a sign I had a signed picture of him up on my wall for for years. Now it's in my closet cuz I mean, you know. He's irrelevant. Yeah, I don't know where fell off the face of the earth not even worthy of the wall yeah nope my my first phillies game was 12 to 2 i think the game was we lost to the marlins oh you remember the score yeah it was 12 4 to 3 yeah no it was 12 2 it was august it was about 90 degrees outside we were dead smack in the middle of the sun and my dad and i watched as the marlins the freaking florida marlins just pounded on us awful game I saw him do that last year. Yeah. Holy. <laughs> but it's been a rough stretch for the Phillies. We started talking off. We were talking about James Harden. Now we're talking about the Phillies. We'll, we'll, we'll get off of this tangent. We do have to go to a, a quick break, though. Uh, and after that, we'll be talking about another Philly team, the Eagles, how they fared <laughs> in primetime Sunday night football. Not an ideal Sunday night football game, but still the Eagles got away with a W. And we'll also talk about some more of some NFL news around the league. Should be fun. So be sure to stay tuned. You're listening to No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Stronger, Lions Pride. Stand together, blue and white. Lions Pride. Show the world your Penn State side. 
for Penn State football? Come into Lions Pride for all your Penn State football apparel. We're located in downtown State College, directly across from Old Main. Be sure to tune into the Gridiron Girls every Wednesday from 6.15 to 7.15. We're talking all sports, anytime, anywhere. It's No Boundaries here on Com Radio. And we're back here on No Boundaries. Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson, live in studio at Innovation Park. Going to talk some Eagles football. Definitely an interesting weekend. 23-9, they beat the Dallas Cowboys. It was ugly. Eagles trailed in the first half. Very ugly. Yeah, I mean, I thought that it was going to be not a blowout, but it was going to be a very handy win by the Eagles, just considering how much... The Cowboys are reeling right now. They're on their third-string quarterback, who was awful, absolutely terrible. And yet, the Eagles, it took them a while. But they they pulled away, barely, and they were able to get that 14-point win. Are you still concerned? Are you still concerned about the Eagles, or do you think that the NFC East is just so bad this year that even though the Eagles aren't up to snuff with what they have been in the past, they'll be fine? Are you concerned? Uh, I mean, I think the Eagles won the division. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, if it's it very well might be with six wins. Honestly, yeah. So I mean, in in that sense, no, I, I'm not concerned. But I mean, this I did not enjoy. I did not enjoy watching this football game. It was oh, a yeah. very bad football game. Um, I mean, I don't I don't even know where to start. The Eagles, Eagles are thankful that the defense showed up and made some plays. TJ. Uh, T.J. Edwards, the huge strip sack on Danucci in, in the fourth quarter, um, was absolutely monumental. And then Brandon Graham had one as well. Carson Wentz, four turnovers. The Eagles' defense only allowed three points off of those four turnovers. So, right. I mean, in, in just the eye test, Wentz, Wentz did not play well, which is – I was actually kind of surprised because he's historically – played pretty well against the Cowboys. Uh-huh. Um, so, especially with how depleted that deep defense is, I, I thought, like you said, I thought it would be a blowout. Um, but the Eagles barely squeaked by, um, all thanks to the defense uh, showing up, making some plays. And Travis Fulgham catching another huge game. Big man. touchdown. I'm telling you, he's – I think he's legit. I, rem- I remember – Weeks ago, um, after his his breakout game, I was saying, I don't know, he looks he looks pretty good. It's this isn't just like this is a guy who has skills. He has abilities. This isn't just a, a flute game playing playing a bad defense. He's been consistently putting up number one wide receiver numbers for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I hope it's not like a Lynn Sanity type of thing. I really hope it's not because Lynn Sanity yeah. wasn't like a, a fluke like that. He was great. Yeah, 
in more than one game. That's Travis Fulgham has been great in more than one game. I, I hope he's able to, to keep it going. Lynn we, was a name, though. Yeah. Travis Fulgham came out of nowhere. I remember he caught the first touchdown. I'm like, who? I'm like, who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was versus the Niners. That's what it was. Yeah, that big tutty versus the Niners. Yeah. I was like, who? Now I know who he is. Well, you you brought up how Wentz has been really good over the against the Cowboys. That second game against the Cowboys last year, the second to last week of the season, when they clinched the division, really, uh, seventeen to nine was the score. But Wentz threw for three hundred nineteen yards, mm-hmm. had maybe his best game of the year. Uh, I thought that yeah, it was going to be something very similar this week, especially considering the parallels between that game last year. And this year, in terms of the offense for the for Philadelphia, just very similar yeah. in, in the sense of how depleted it was. Yep. But to Carson's benefit, as you said, the Dallas defense yep. really depleted. So that was not the case last year when they squared off the second to last week of the season. Dallas was pretty much healthy. So I was expecting that Carson Wentz was going to be not greater than what he was in that game last year. But somewhat close to being that type of quarterback. But it's been a, it's been a weird year for him so far. He was bad. Yeah, and it, that's I was asking about being concerned. Obviously, we know that that this team has been affected deeply by injuries. I think lots of the the, I, I guess you could call it the weirdness of this season. You can chalk that up to injuries. Maybe you could chalk it up to to coaching and the fact that we don't have an offensive coordinator. Yep. But I I think the concerning part. After you say, you know, oh, yeah, injuries, oh, excuse, excuse, reasonable excuses, I think the thing that is left where you can't really make a huge excuse for at this point and, you know, kind of accept it, push it to the side, say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. I think that one area is Carson Wentz. Absolutely. Which, I uh, do you have any takes on that? I mean, because I've seen people rip him. I've seen people come to his support and say, look, it's a weird year, and we're still winning games. What, what are you thinking? I mean, yeah, I would say he de- he deserves uh, he deserves the praise, and he des- also deserves the criticism. Um, I mean, I remember la- last week on the show or um, two weeks ago, I, I was really – that was after – I believe it was after the, it was after the Ravens uh, game, came close versus the number two defense in the NFL a week after he – came very close against the number one defense in the NFL and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh-huh. And I was saying, like, these are these are good teams. Like, Carson doesn't have much to work with, which is true. But at the same time, I feel like as the franchise quarterback, like you were, like you were kind of just saying, Carson Wentz, he can be the reason that the Eagles don't lose games, but he needs to be the reason that the Eagles win games. That's a really good way of putting it. That makes it. sense. That's a really okay. good way of putting it. Yeah, that's how that's that's those are my thoughts. I don't think he's been bad, but he could be better. He needs to be the the the, the reason that the Eagles like win some of these some of these games. Like for example, the the Bengals game or even the Ravens game. I mean, he came very close, but just a, it's a, he's got to clean up some he's got to clean up some stuff. He's got to be better, work better in the pocket and and just just be a little bit better. I'm kind of getting tired of the the post game interviews saying oh I got to go back watch film right. I got to got to be better like I want to like I want to see it <laughs> like you got to action speak louder than words I want to see it I think Sunday. that's totally fair yeah. I think that's totally fair Eagles have a bye week this week they come back the following week and they play the Giants could be another win um, I don't know if mm-hmm. it'll be as easy as Dallas um, 
in terms of obviously that game was not easy. Yeah, <laughs> but in easy, terms but... of going in on paper, the opponent, I think that the Giants are trending a little bit upwards, even though they lost this week to the Bucks, mm-hmm. which we can talk about right now. Um, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll do our little bit of a speed round. Giants they lose in a nail biter. I thought that the the Buccaneers were going to be well away in that game. I thought that they were going to win that, no problem. Mm-hmm. But it was it was not a cakewalk for for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. What what did you make of that game? And, and do you think that Tom and Tampa Bay, as he says, do you think that they'll struggle this week against the Saints in what is arguably the biggest game of the week? I'll say that I, I feel like I feel like the Buccaneers are just I feel like they're going to be just fine. Um, that was a game I think they got caught looking ahead to the Saints game this week. Maybe you see the um, what are they one in? Were they one and eight? You see the one and eight Giants, you know. That's like basically relevant in the National Football League, and you you got a you got a good team like uh, Tampa Bay. They got the number one rush defense, um, endless weapons on offense, uh, and obviously Tom Brady. You know it, you get caught doing it sometimes. You you overlook big divisional matchup with the Saints. That's a, that's a game the Bucks would have lost in the past uh, with Jameis Winston. So I, I think the Bucks are are going to be going to be just fine. Um, they are lucky though. I did think that that final um, nudge by Anton Winfield. Might have been a P.I. Yeah. But Daniel Jones, though, I think he could have made a better throw. He hesitated a little in the pocket. That's a design route. I think he could have uh, got that out quicker and avoided all that. I agree. Controversy. I do agree. Let, let's shift it over to uh, Dalvin Cook. Huge game against Green Bay. What did he have? Let me get it up right here. I think he had 30 carries for 163 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. And yeah. then he also had a receiving touchdown. Phenomenal day in fantasy. Phenomenal day. Where does he rank for you amongst the league's best rushing running backs? I mean, he has the second most rushing yards in the league so far, mm-hmm. only to, to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has the most. Yeah. Is he one of the best running backs in the league right now? Do you think so? He led the league in rushing last year, correct? I, let me check that. I'm pretty sure he did. You I keep mean, going, I'll check. Yeah, you, you, he's... He's undoubtedly up there for for Dalvin Cook just to, uh, I mean he basically put the offense on his back. Kirk Cousins couldn't get much couldn't get much going, uh, especially early versus that that uh, pretty pretty strong Packers defense. Uh, they got some they got some studs over there, and then and then Dalvin Cook just took the game into his own hands and the took the 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 struggling Vikings. I do think they're better than their record though, but to beat. Green Bay Packers, which um, you know everybody was kind of like writing them in for one of the like a Super Bowl contender. I don't know, but right. they they looked they looked beatable for the first time. Not that Rodgers didn't even have a bad game, but they they looked beatable. That that's a game that a, a team like Green Bay I, I would expect to win. I, I I agree, especially against a team that has been really struggling mm-hmm. in the Vikings. One team not struggling at all, the Steelers. And you brought them up when we were talking about the Birds. They're seven and zero. Mm-hmm. The only undefeated team in the league right now. People were saying that they were going to go six and ten this year. How 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 long do you think this streak lasts in Pittsburgh? Do you think that they keep this streak going for a little bit longer? Well, I mean, you look at their next three games. They have the Cowboys, the Bengals, and the Jaguars. So, <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> I'd be completely and utterly shocked if they didn't at least make it to eleven and zero. And that I mean, the the Steelers—they're just such a balanced football team. They can pound it with James Conner. You have. Ben Roethlisberger under center. He's a veteran. He he can he can play. He's a good quarterback. He can play ball. Weapons on the outside. Chase Claypool, uh, really stepping up as the rookie. Um, Juju Juju came through in the clutch versus versus the Ravens. 
and then then defense. I mean, the the Steelers' defense is just it's it's in, it's insane. It's it's so so good, and you you got to credit. I I think you also got to credit Mike Tomlin. He's yeah. my coach of the year at this point, and he he just he's got Lamar Jackson's number. He knows what to do defending Lamar Jackson, and um obviously with the success of the defense, he he knows what he's doing in in general as well. His ability to adapt and mold the game plan depending on the opponent, also depending mm-hmm. on the personnel that he has. He has not had the same personnel from start to finish in his tenure. I mean, oh, yeah. that's for sure. It's been so hectic in Pittsburgh. Lots of turnover in the roster. You have people leaving, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. You had all the injuries last year. Big Ben you didn't have last year. Now you have, like, the the fact that he's been able to shift his game plan and, and move the pieces around to get him to work, like, unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I think you definitely – there were people doubting him for a stretch of his career, yep. Mike Tomlin. I, I think he's definitely gained those – haters back I guess you could say but instead of haters now they're people who are supporting him and saying yeah no this guy's a good coach so normally we would go to a break right here but we are running a little bit over so we are going to keep it here we're going to stay with the NFL talk Uh, we were going to talk a little bit about Tua I I think we're going to have to put that on the shelf because we are running a little bit late but I do want to get into this mid-season awards segment that we that we do have we are approaching the midway season uh, of the season it's crazy and yeah Crazy to think. I mean, it feels like just yesterday this started. Same thing with college football, too. You know, Penn State obviously just started only two games in. But there are teams who are eight games in. Like, it's, it's yeah. crazy. Uh, but it's we'll, like it's like a went by in a flash. I know. Ridiculous. So, first and foremost, since we were just talking about, you know, one team right there in the Steelers, uh, we'll talk about team-oriented awards. Zach, who do you think is the best team so far? Would you say it's Pittsburgh? I would, but – Kansas City is right on uh, its tail. I mean, the Chiefs—they've—they're everything that that Pittsburgh is. I think Pittsburgh def- certainly has a a better defensive unit. But I mean, you look on offense—the the things that Patrick Mahomes is able to do. Um, I feel like people are overlooking the incredible season he's having because of how great Russell Wilson's been. Um, but Pat Mahomes is is right there. He's probably the offensive player of the year. Um, right now, and I guess you could make an argument for Russ too, but uh, you don't usually give, he's my MVP and you don't, I don't know if you normally give the offensive player of the year and the MVP to the same person, but, um, yeah, I think it, I think it is Pittsburgh, but Casey, Casey's really close. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the AFC championship game. Yeah. Kansas city has scored 101 more points than their opponent throughout the course of the season. The next closest team in terms of net points is Baltimore was 71. And also Kansas City is 4-0 on the road. So I would agree with you. I think Kansas City is definitely up there. Definitely the two best teams are from the AFC, uh, either Pittsburgh or Kansas City. But I, I yep. think I would give the edge towards Kansas City. Hate to be That's sleeping fair. on Pittsburgh like that. And I know Jordan Mansberger, if he's listening, is probably furious. <laughs> you know, just raging in his dorm room right now. JFC. JFC. All right, so we talked about the best team, the most disappointing team to you. I mean, I could say my Eagles because I expected them to be a lot better. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with the with the NFC East. Gotta say the Cowboys. I know they've been riddled with injuries, but I expected them to. I mean, with that with the offense that they've had, I I knew the defense was shaky, but with that with that offense with the new coach and Mike McCarthy, I thought they were really gonna make some noise, and I was threatened by them uh, in the NFC East. But they just once again. 
brutal crushing injuries, but um, they haven't lived up to my expectations. I would say the Patriots. Uh, Patriots, I, I wasn't expecting a whole lot of them coming into the season. Um, when they got Cam Newton, I was like, okay, cool. I, I think that they just maybe ruined their opportunity for – like I thought that they were really going to tank. I thought that they were going to tank and try and get Trevor Lawrence. I really did. And then they got Cam, and I was like, okay, they, they could be pretty solid. I didn't think that they were going to be Super Bowl caliber. But I, I thought, yeah, they, they could maybe win the division and make it to the playoffs with Cam. And we start off the season. They get that opening win against Miami. They put up a, a heck of a fight against Seattle on the road. They almost win that game. Cam Newton has 397 yards. It's like, oh, my God, no, they're actually yeah. legit. And then they come back the next week, and they beat a very competent Las Vegas team. And then since then, it has been just dreadful. Yeah. Dreadful. Four straight losses. Uh, I, I'd say yeah. that they are definitely my most disappointing team, especially considering how good New England has been. Granted, it's all been with Tom Brady, but – the past two decades <laughs> i mean it's been a dynasty and now they're just uh, bad yeah. really bad you know i love my boy cam but I, I can't go against you disappointing 33 to 6 they lost to san fran two weeks ago uh, i just can't get out of i can't get that out of my head but now we'll shift it to most surprising team could be positive like yeah, yeah this team's doing really well uh, or it could be negative like wow i thought this team was going to be really solid and I guess that kind of is disappointing. We'll, just, we'll focus on positive teams. Why not? You know, teams that you thought were going to be met or teams you just really didn't have on your radar mm-hmm. that have really excelled and impressed so far this year. I'm going to say the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, 4-3 and three right now. Uh, two games behind the Bills, but, I mean, uh, definitely pl- plenty, of, plenty of opportunity to make up that ground. They have the, by far – the the leading point differential in the AFC East and you know they're on a a, a three game win streak I believe with Tua um, taking the reins now he's gonna he could if if he if he does what what's expected he could provide another dimension to that offense and um, we saw it was the defense who really dominated this past weekend versus the Rams Brian Flores did a a great job against them uh, as he always does. Um, to look back at the 2018 Super Bowl, but um, yeah, no, I think I think the Dolphins have have been a surprise team uh, to me. I think they they take the cake for that one. I'm gonna go uh, the Cardinals. Granted, I don't think their schedule has been that tough so far. I I think that the win over Seattle definitely yeah. cemented in my head that no, they're actually pretty legit. Kyler Murray, I think, has been playing great football. And he was a guy I was not really expecting much out of him when he entered the league. I thought he had a really good rookie season last year. I think he looks even better this year. And, I, I mean, they're second in the division, in the hardest division in football in the, uh, in the NFC West. So I, I think that they've definitely been my most surprising team. I was not expecting. First of all, I have no faith in Cliff Kingsbury whatsoever. No faith. I don't know how he's still an NFL head coach. I, 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 and granted, he had a good year last year, and now he's having another good year this year. But the, I, I, when he first was hired, I was like, this guy was an average college yeah, coach. Yeah, I thought the same, yeah. And I'm like, how, how is this dude in the league? But he's been doing a pretty solid job. But mm-hmm. we talked about teams. Let's now shift to individual players, and we'll do the same model. Best player so far this year to you. Best player, uh, you got to go Russell Wilson. Yeah. I mean, outside of the three interceptions that he's that he threw against uh, Arizona, I mean, he's played a, a pretty flawless year. You don't, there aren't many hiccups. Um, if if you look 
uh, on the Seahawks um, schedule. Russell Wilson has been just getting it done. He's do, he's doing it all, leading his team to victory. And the Seahawks and Russ look at look to be in prime position for for a deep playoff run. Yeah, I, I'd go Russell too. Most uh, most disappointing player for you? Most disappointing player. Ooh, who do you have? I have. Uh, I, I'm gonna go with another Patriot. Uh, I'm gonna go either uh, Cam Newton or Julian Edelman. Okay. A lot of drops for him this year. And granted, I think he did have more than what lots of people expected in terms of drops last year, but maybe it was a little bit covered up because the Patriots were a solid team. Now that they're not a solid team, he's becoming a little bit more exposed. I know because he's been irrelevant in fantasy. <laughs> Absolutely irrelevant yeah, been, in fantasy. Yeah. And uh, I looked more into it today. I was like, yeah, Julian Edelman has been really just not – he's not playing like he normally does. So that that would be mine. It may be a little bit – trivial it's not like he's you know yeah. the one of the best receivers in the league but I, I think he's definitely having an off year that maybe not many people are talking about no definitely he's usually um, a very productive player but like like you said that outlier he had his career high receiving yards versus seattle yeah that's just for for cam and julian edelman that's just been a strange outlier yeah. i mean that's that's fair to say i mean i might honestly just go i couldn't i couldn't pick anybody but I might just go with Cam here. I'm. I mean, he has disapp- He has been a little bit disappointing. I right. expected more. I'm not completely counting him out. I. I hope he improves. I don't. I still don't think he has a lot of help. Um, he's throwing to a bunch of no namers, and that offensive line isn't great. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of that Seattle game, he hasn't. Uh, hasn't shown me much. He's still got the the competitiveness, the fire, and. Just the ability, all the all the abilities in the world, but just throwing the football, it's just he can't. He's not accurate. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, um, I think we're gonna have to scrap most surprising player because we are actually give it real quick. Do you have one most? Robbie Anderson. I he's doing well uh, in that Panthers passing attack. Robbie Anderson. I was gonna say uh, Claypool. Yeah, for me. Um, yeah. Those are our picks, midseason awards. We do have to go to a commercial break because we are running a little bit over time. But we'll be right back after these words with our short ending segment. This is No Boundaries. We are stronger, lion's pride. Stand together, blue and white. Lion's pride, show the world your Penn State side. Lion's pride, you're living, you're loving lion's pride. Downtown State College needs your help. Keep it local this season and shop for your Nittany Lion apparel and gifts at Lions Pride, where they have everything Penn State for every Penn Stater. The only all-female sportscasted talk show, Gridiron Girls, is back. Set a reminder for every Wednesday from 6.15 to 7.15 so you don't miss out. What are you waiting for? Jump on it. And we're back here on Com Radio, No Boundaries. Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson, our quick sign-off segment where we talk about some cool news either going on personally in the news that we saw on social media, whatever it is, I don't, I don't care. We've kind of 
just been very loose in this segment. Zach, you got mm-hmm. anything you want to share with the people? Yeah, I mean, I had a busy day, so and <laughs> there have been times in the past where this segment has slipped my mind, and it has again tonight. But ah, oh. Mrs. Donaldson, my mother, came in the clutch. I just I hit her up. I was like, hey, you got a funny story for me that I can share on my show? I forgot. She uh, sent me a couple. I think this one's funny. Um, Kanye West was supposed to be on Jimmy Kimmel. He skipped. He's skipping now because of his, uh, I guess, poor show out uh, in the election. Just a sore loser? I guess. Bummer. Yeah, just it fits in. The election's kind of dominated the news the past 24. Yeah, I haven't really seen a whole lot no, I don't really of other content <laughs> aside from that. I will say I've been following Matthew McConaughey's book tour. He's got that new book out called Green Lights. Does he? I love that dude. He's cool. Yeah, love that Interstellar. Dude. Yeah, he was. He was on the herd. He was. Yeah, I He was on the herd. I guess it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday, and um, I loved watching that interview because I'm a huge Cowherd fan and I'm also a huge McConaughey fan. He's my second favorite actor uh, right now. Leo is number one. He's number two. Um, and they were talking Colin and McConaughey. They were talking about Interstellar, and. Colin brought up how his daughter Liv Cowherd, who is the one of the biggest memes on the internet, uh, who I love. Uh, yeah, he, she Simp. brought it. Yeah, Simp, yeah. <laughs> he he brought up how uh, Liv was a huge fan of Interstellar, and then McConaughey was like, "Oh, maybe she could, you know, give me a call and explain it to me." Joking, but I I listened to that and I saw that I was like, "Is he trying to make a move on Liv Cowherd? <laughs> is he is he trying to? Do we now have to compete with Liv Cowherd? All of us simps out here." Uh, I was very nervous, very nervous. So I tweeted something at her. I've been retweeted by her before. Yeah, you have. And I was yeah. trying to go for number two, and she either didn't see it or thought this isn't funny or just was like, I'm not going to retweet this. I tweeted like a video, of like an interstellar meme and everything like that with her and McConaughey and everything. I saw it. It was clever. Thank you very much. I liked it. Because I love the movie. Yeah, yeah, I do too. But she did not retweet. My effort was to no avail, unfortunately. Ah, she's probably got a flood of mentions in that uh in her notification so I, I wouldn't take it personally going back to competing that's what i have to compete against yeah you know i have to compete against the, the flood of notice and uh <laughs> also matthew mcconaughey now so i'll keep you posted with how that goes hey if, uh, if don't sell yourself short thank you buddy that would be all oh, i got faith if i can marry into the cowherd family that'd be phenomenal we talk about a connection connections the, uh, connections sports industry that would be great <laughs> I'm not going to sleep tonight just thinking about that. Anyway, <laughs> right. Zach, where can they find you social media-wise? You can find me on Twitter at ZachDonaldson underscore and also follow the account at no boundaries and zero boundaries, that is. And I'll also tune in on Saturday for the pregame show. Com Radio Football Insiders, myself, Andrew Field, Andrew Destin, DJ Bauer, will be giving it all to you, all things Maryland, um, at two 2.30 yeah. on yep. Saturday. Definitely tune into that and tune into the call of the game. Uh, the call of the game. The call, I guess that makes sense. The call of the game, the game call, whatever you want to call it. 3.30. Joe, St- Joe Skinner, Josh Starr. It's been a long day. You you haven't ate anything. I, I've been doing stuff all over the place. I'm just starting to lose it right now, so it's a good thing we're getting off the air and I can go sleep. You can follow me at Real C. Griff on Twitter. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. For Zach Donaldson. I am Connor Griffin. We'll catch you next week, 845. This is No Boundaries. Thanks for listening. Peace. Thank you for listening to Com Radio, a production by the students of the Belisario College of Communications at Penn State University.